Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning again, and thank you guys for being out. I woke up this morning, I'm like, whoa, plot twist, November acts like November, and uh, a little cooler out there than I am used to this week, but thank you guys for coming up. So, I'm going to ask you a question. You guys ever had a teacher in school that you were just absolutely terrified of? Like, you just feared this person. And maybe they were a little arbitrary. Maybe they were kind of harsh. You know, you never knew what they were going to do next, but you knew it wasn't going to go well for you. This is my 10th grade geometry teacher. Or at least as far as I remember her. And, uh, and, And she was, you know, hard. And I distinctly remember one class. My best friend and I sat directly in front of her desk we couldn't have been more than four feet from her and we're taking a test and it's dead silent in the classroom and all of a sudden and you got to know this about me in high school okay I was a nerd I probably still am a nerd (laughs) but I mean seriously I weighed like a buck ten my idea of fun and athletics was I played on the chess team I was really quiet and shy and reserved. I never, ever, ever got in trouble. That came much later in life. But so I'm like, you know, I'm a pretty good kid in high school. I really was. So anyway, we're taking this test, and she says, Brian Bailey, stop talking to your neighbor. That's cheating. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> I said nothing. And, and I look at my friend, and I'm like, what, what in the world? And, and this she wasn't older like this, but she was kind of large in stature, And um, how can I say this? A little manly. And so I'm like, man, what am I going to do? So I had to approach her and say, look, I, I wasn't cheating. And I'm sorry if you thought that, but, but I wasn't cheating. And it took a little talking to her, but she eventually backed down and and uh, didn't throw me out of class and let me continue with the test. So this morning, we are going to look at a similar situation. It's over in Luke. It's in chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. You may know this is the parable of the persistent widow. We're going to be over there this morning if you want to turn to it. So Luke 18, 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God we can have faith in. And so this morning, Lord, help me to teach. Help those who would hear, understand. Holy Spirit, come and deliver your message, Lord, and and build our faith in this story. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's what's going on. Jesus is doing this really intense teaching session with his disciples and he's covering things from the end times and it's starting to get a little tense and and I imagine this the disciples got to a point where they're like me in math class they're like eh? and so Jesus says okay wait, wait, wait I, let me tell you a story okay let me tell you a story I'll, 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 I'll simplify things for you and I think Luke that records this story in the gospels is including it here because when he wrote the book of Luke. It wasn't at the time of Jesus, okay? It is about 30 years later, so sometime around 60, 65 AD, Luke writes the Gospel of Luke. And I think he includes this story because around this time, it's starting to get really ugly for believers, really ugly. The Roman government has begun persecuting the church. They are killing people who are followers of Jesus, and it's getting ready to really ramp up. In only about a few more years, in AD 70, it will get so bad that the temple in Jerusalem will be demolished, and everything good and Jewish and Judeo-Christian in the area will get really destroyed. And this is actually responsible for the scattering of the church. And so I think Luke is including this story to kind of give disciples, people like you and I, a little hope for what's going on in the world right now. And so Jesus tells this story and he picks these two characters and he starts by describing the judge. Okay. And so the judge is this guy. If you want, how many of you watch The Walking Dead? You remember the character, the governor? That's the judge, okay? If you don't watch The Walking Dead, think, um, I don't know, Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, Idi Amin, really bad guy, okay? This guy is just a pig. And the thing is, is his job is to protect the poor and take care of people just like this widow. Except this guy... And I picture him as being, you know, probably fat and loud and just kind of talks about himself a lot and orders people around the courtroom and he's real happy. This guy is not accountable to anyone. He doesn't think there is anyone he needs to answer to. He is a complete pig of a human being. And he's supposed to be the person who looks out for people like the widow. So Jesus talks about this guy and he says, he doesn't care about anyone. He doesn't care about people and he doesn't care about God. And then Jesus spends some time and he says, but there's this widow that comes to him. And I think the widow, probably he would have pictured her to be kind of frail and maybe a little small in stature to highlight how powerless this woman is in the culture 
at the time. See, it's bad enough she's just a woman. And if you think it's bad now, women, first century Palestine, it was really bad. But she's also a widow, which means she has no one to stick up for her, no one to defend her, no one to provide for her. She is about as powerless as you can get. So you have this huge contrast of this frail, powerless widow and this big, selfish, self-centered pig of a man that represents justice perverted. He is absolutely justice perverted. And that's where Jesus gets into the story. He's such a good character. <laughs> Sketch. I love, I love him. So we don't know what kind of justice this woman is asking for. We have no idea. We know she doesn't have a husband. So it could be something like, you know, someone is trying to steal her land. Once her husband's gone, they're just going to kind of, you know, move the property line a little bit. Or maybe someone is trying to um, take advantage of her, if you know what I mean. Um, Or maybe it's, you know, a simple error on her credit report. Somebody's coming and saying, yeah, your husband owed me all this money when he died and uh, time for you to pay up. We don't, we don't know exactly what the issue is, but we do know that Jesus sets up this huge contrast in powerful and powerless. And then he says, this is so we can talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. So that's your first fill-in this morning, is that it's all about prayer. So this widow is really in the worst possible position. There is no reason that this judge should even be inclined to hear her case, let alone rule in her favor. And I bet to some of you that sounds like a very familiar situation this morning. You are in a terrible circumstance or you've been in a terrible circumstance. And maybe for you, this looks like a boss that is just disrespectful and completely ignorant of your needs. And there is no one you feel like you can appeal to. Maybe this morning... And, and I hope it's not this, but maybe you have a spouse that is just doing things that are damaging your family, damaging your marriage, damaging your relationship, and you feel like there's no one you can appeal to. Maybe this morning, this judge represents something going on in your life, a pattern in your life that you just can't seem to break things that keep going on, a way you keep acting, and you feel like you're powerless against it and there's no one you can appeal to. Maybe this judge represents a physical thing going on with you. Maybe you've been given a diagnosis or you have a close friend that's been given a diagnosis of cancer. And you've been told, it's, this is it. And you feel powerless this morning. Something in your life needs to go your way and it really looks like there's no hope. Well, this widow, just like we do, has pretty much three options, right? 
Uh, sad to say, a, a lot of times we pick the first option, which is we go, well, that's it. It's over. It's the C word. It's cancer. It's this. It can't. It's not going to change. And we do nothing. Or maybe the, the widow could try to handle the judge on her own, right? I mean, if she's a little resourceful, she could kind of figure out a way to kill him, couldn't she? I mean, they make poison. And sometimes we do try to handle a problem on our own and just ignore God in the process and get around it and handle it ourselves. But what would be wrong with killing the judge? If it's money that's been taken from her, that won't get her money back, will it? And if it's her dignity that's lost, that won't get her dignity back, and it could put her in an even worse position. And Jesus tells this story to say, there's, there's a third option. There's a better option. See, Jesus knows this widow isn't really powerless. She can appeal because she has truth on her side. She can appeal for justice to the one who is justice. She can appeal to God. And I would say, by all means, when we have something going on, if we don't get the creator of the universe involved and appeal to God, we're missing it. (laughs) We have one of the, not one of, the most powerful weapon in the entire world in prayer. God himself. And so Jesus says, pray. You know, faith is often born out of sheer desperation. Sheer desperation. You know the old saying that there are no atheists on the battlefield, right? <laughs> it's because it's in our desperation that we, that we grapple and we attempt to find faith. The Bible says a lot about faith, but does anybody, anybody know something the Bible says about faith? The size of a mustard seed that what? Look at this scripture in Matthew. It says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you have a mustard seed, don't be afraid to use it. Don't be afraid to use it. Pray. And keep praying until something happens. Like this widow, we just have to keep going over and over. Your second fill-in is persistence. Persistence. The scripture says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, this may be hard for us to imagine, but this is where Jesus would have had the disciples cracking up. And you're thinking, what? So here's the thing. See, imagine this judge, this guy who orders people around the courtroom, who has everyone in the room trembling every time he walks in and ready to to hold court and everything and this little tiny woman comes and she keeps coming to him and she keeps coming to him and she keeps coming to him and so it's kind of like every time she comes it'd be like what we call slinging mud you know and and so this judge guy is slowly being made a fool of 
You know, the first time she came in, probably everybody was like, yeah, I get it. You know, she had to go ask. She had no, you know, but she really got no hope. And the second or third time, they probably, being, you know, kind of Jewish culture, they, they would kind of have been like, oh, she got some chutzpah, you know? But, I mean, we'd probably say something different, but by about the 20th time, these people might have openly been chuckling at the judge. They're like, serious, man, you're going to let this little old lady make a fool of you. She is making you look ridiculous, and you cannot shut her up. And so, so much so that the judge says, I'm afraid that she is crazy enough to come across that bench and smack me one. I'm afraid that the original... um, Greek in this says that he's afraid of getting a black eye. And I think, well, it's a little too late, dude. You already look pretty foolish. But so this huge contrast ends up being almost comical because this widow, who's supposedly powerless, just won't give up. And I tell you this morning, if you want something good, if there is something good that you want to see happen, never give up. If what you want is peace, if what you want is joy, if what you want to pray for is more love, more gentleness, more faithfulness, there is no reason you should ever, ever stop. When we stop in prayer, when we give up, it's like we're saying we know more than God. I know the outcome better than God does. Nothing's going to happen here. Really? Never stop. If it's a good thing, never, ever stop. And I know there are some prayer warriors in here. I've been around the table Tuesday morning for like three years now. And I see those prayer cards come through each and every week. And for three years, I have seen some cards that have the same names week in, week out. Pray for these people for three years. That is faith. My friends, that is faith. Develops you. It grows you spiritually. Your third fill-in is this. It's about patience. It's about patience. Verse 7 says this, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? You know, I dare say some of us may be a little more patient with our friends than we are with the Jesus that saved us and the God of the universe. How many times, have you ever lent a friend something? Yeah. Have they ever brought it back on time? Rarely, right? And what happens when they don't bring it back? Well, you immediately wonder if they're a good person anymore and if you should be friends with them and if you can depend on them and can you count on them. No, you don't. What do you do? You say, that's my friend. I know he's going to bring it back. He's not a thief. (laughs) You know your friends are going to be... And so you don't get all anxious about it. And you don't worry. You just wait for the day he's going to bring it back, right? We can be the same way with God. We don't have to wonder, gee, I prayed and it didn't happen right away. Did he hear me? 
Did God hear me? 1 John chapter 5 says this. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. God hears you. He will answer you. It will be a yes. It will be a no. It will be a not yet. But he hears you. And so you have to ask yourself in this waiting, what is he up to? What is he doing? I know my circumstance is bad, but, and, and so that's even more reason. Why is God making me wait for an answer? Maybe he wants to build your faith. Maybe he wants to grow something within you about him. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If faith is born in desperation, it grows in the soil of hope. You know, see, if, if you can see it, if you know the answer, then it's not a matter of faith. Sometimes we throw up these shout-out prayers to God about things like, oh, keep me safe on, on this trip while I'm driving or something. And, and you know, there's 99.9% chance that everything is going to be fine while you're driving home today. And I'm not saying don't pray over little things. I'm saying there's some things out there that are bigger than that that we can pray for. Prayer, persistence, and patience. I went to a conference a couple of weekends ago, and a woman told a story about a man in West Virginia. And he lives in the southern part of the state. And it really resonated with me because I, I spent a good bit of time growing up in West Virginia. And this man was able, for the majority of his life, up until about 12 or 14 years ago, I believe, um, he was able to live off the land. He was a hunter, he was a fisherman, and he had a garden. And so anything he needed, he could go into the woods and find. He grew his own vegetables, he hunt, would hunt for his own meat. He had a spring on his property where he could get all of his water. He had no need to be, you know, what we would say, on the grid. And about 12 years ago, a coal company came and strip-mined the four mountains around his property. And if you've never seen this, what a strip-mine looks like, this is what it is. It annihilates everything. And then they put this back and they plant grass. And it's perfectly legal. But the wildlife doesn't necessarily come back. And the water in his well stayed polluted after this. And he was not able to do anything but have his small garden. And so he began to appeal to people. And he invited people to come to his property and see what would happen and hear his story. And he would say, if you can fix it, please help me. And if you can't, please don't waste my time. 
And the result of that over the last 12 years is that he has had 110 attempts on his life. They've tried to kill him. And he keeps inviting people. And he keeps inviting people. And he keeps inviting more and more powerful people. And he keeps saying, if you can change this, help me. And the woman telling this story said she has been to see him four or five times during that period of time. And each and every time he gets upset when he tells his story, each and every time he cries when he tells his story, and each and every time he says, if you can help me, help me. That is persistence. That is patience. Jesus sums up the end of this story with a phrase that says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? Not when the Son of Man returns, will he find a bunch of people that got it figured out? Will he find a bunch of people who are acting well? like they're being kind to people or that they've been to church this week or whatever it is that we sometimes think it means to be a follower of Christ. He says, will he find faith? Will there be people who despite everything they've gone through, every circumstance, they still believe, Father God, is there help? like we sang earlier, our portion. You know, we've been, we've been in this series on Elisha for the last couple of weeks and talking about faith and building our faith. And I realized this morning, and I told this to first service, you know, I don't wonder that all of this talking about building faith, what, what God is up to. What is God up to in Seacoast Vineyard? What is God up to in you? What is he trying to do in this church? We just celebrated our 18th birthday, right? What happens when you turn 18 as a, as a person? That's when it's time to leave the nest and go out into the world and make your way and kind of in faith go, yep, I'm going to figure out how to do this. Maybe that's what God's talking to us about. Maybe that's what God's talking to you about this morning. So let's pray. Hmm. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. You are a good God that delights and being with, and listening to, and responding to your children. Lord, that you call us friend, and you treat us that way. I, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that you're a God that we can come to in our troubles and say, help, fix, provide, love me. And we can come again and again. 
And like a good father, you don't say yes to everything we want, Lord. You say no when something isn't good for us, when it isn't healthy for us, Lord. But, but for what is good for us, Lord, you promise us an answer. And so this morning, if there's something that you've been praying over a long time and you really want to see God move, you just let me know. I want to, I want to pray for you this morning and along with you this morning if you have something like that thank you thank you thank you yeah thank you lord you see the hands and so lord we do and i join them in crying out in faith to you father come bring your strength to the situation lord come bring your wisdom lord bring your healing lord Bring what we don't have. Father God, work in us as you see necessary, Lord. Bring comfort. Bring peace. And this morning, if you don't know this Jesus, if you don't have something in your life that you can depend on, that you can have faith in, that you can call upon when you need it. Ah, (laughs) love to introduce you to him this morning. If that's you and you you feel bold enough to raise your hand, I want to pray for you too this morning. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.